Well, happy Father's Day again. It's a, it's a day that we honor the fathers that God has blessed each one of us with. And each father is in one way or another uh, a reflection of our Heavenly Father. And so I'd like us to watch a short video this morning on Father's Day called I Love, I Love You, Dad. So here it goes. Sometimes I wonder where I'd be without you. Would I understand life? Would I make right choices? Would I live out my faith? Thank you for showing me what it means to love God and for giving me your all, even when it was difficult. Thank you for the discipline I deserved and the grace I didn't, and for being present, even though you had so much on your plate. Thank you for picking me up and encouraging me to try again, and for the little life lessons I still lean on today. The truth is, I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for you. As I look back on my life, I see moment after moment where your influence, your wisdom, and your strength made all the difference. Thank you for loving me. Today, I give thanks. Today, I am grateful. Today, I celebrate you. I love you, Dad. So we thank God for the fathers that he's given us. I'd like to ask all the fathers here today to stand so that we can honor and pray for you. So can you stand up for us? All right, let's, let's show our appreciation for all the fathers. You can clap for yourself and the other ones. <clears throat> but just stay standing, I'm going to pray. Father in heaven, we, we thank you for the fathers that are here today, that you have blessed with children down through the years. We're grateful for the fathers who are not with us today. We thank you for the life that they have given to us and, the, and the, their hearts that they have poured into us. We thank you for all the ways that they have reflected our Heavenly Father. And we ask God for your blessing on each one here as they continue to serve you as they continue to walk in your ways, as they continue to be examples of their Heavenly Father. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning we're beginning a new message series which I've entitled, Follow God's Heart. And in this series we're going to be learning from the life of David. Now why did I name it, Follow God's Heart? Well, Acts 13.22 says, God raised up David to be their king of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. And so this verse describes, or God describes David as a man after my heart. And so what does that phrase mean, a, a man after God's heart? I believe that it, it talks about David's heart being committed to following God's heart. David desired to live his life following the Lord, following 
God, his heavenly Father. And the next phrase in this verse describes what a man after God's heart does. It says, who will do all my will? And so if a man is following God's heart, he's going to do the things that God's heart desires. He's going to do God's will in his life. Now we know that David did not live a perfect life. If you've read this story, there were some tragic mistakes or sins that he committed. And yet even there, at his lowest point, we see him repenting. We see him coming back to God and turning his life around. So today we're going to talk to fathers. I'm going to talk to fathers. Everybody can benefit. We all need to follow God's heart. We're going to be specifically addressing fathers this morning. Following God's heart is far easier said than done, but it's something that God calls each and every one of us to do. Now, why is it so difficult to follow God's heart? Because we tend to want to follow our own hearts. We want to follow our own desires rather than following God's heart. And there is always opposition that seeks to prevent us from following God's heart. And so the message today, we're going to talk about defeating your giant. Defeating your giant. There are giants that are going to get in the way of each one of us following God's heart. And these giants are assigned by the enemy to oppose God's plan, God's will for our lives. But God desires to give us the strength to defeat the enemies or the giants that come into our lives. And whether you feel like you're facing a giant today or not, opposition will come. And we need to know how to gain the victory over those things as we follow God's heart. So look, let's begin to look at David's life to learn more about defeating your giant. First of all, God wants us to embrace God's call and equipping in our lives. Our story begins in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 10. And it says, And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Now, what's going on here? Well, Samuel was a prophet in Israel. And God had called Samuel to anoint the next king after King Saul. King Saul was still on the throne. He was not following God's will for his life. And God had decided he wanted a new king in place. And so God sent Samuel to anoint one of the sons of Jesse. Now, Jesse had... Actually, eight sons. But when Samuel came, Jesse presented his first seven sons, beginning with the eldest. They each passed in front of Samuel. And Samuel said, no, none of these is the right one. And so Samuel probably was a little bit confused. He said, do you have any other sons? And Jesse said, well, I've got one more. The youngest one, he's out. In the field, tending sheep. So Samuel said, well, call him here. And that son was David. And so in verse 12, it says, He sent and brought him, that's David, in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. 
Now that was an unexpected choice. Jesse hadn't brought him in. He didn't think it was even possible that the choice could be David. He thought surely it would be his eldest or maybe the second or the third. But here was David, the youngest one, assigned to probably the worst task of all the sons, out in the field, the heat, the rain, everything, watching those sheep. Again, remember, we tend to think of shepherds as a very romantic occupation. Uh, it was not in those days. Uh, a shepherd was looked down upon as not a great occupation. But God had clearly chosen David to be the next king, even though Saul was still the reigning king. Verse 13, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, that's David, in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And so Samuel took this horn of oil and he anointed David with it. He anointed David to be king, but this would not happen immediately. And we're going to see it would take quite a while before David actually became king. Now oil in the Bible is, is generally a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And here we see as Samuel anoints David with this literal oil, it says the Holy Spirit rushed upon, came upon David. Now what was that all about? Well, the power of the Holy Spirit was given to David to equip him to fulfill the call of God on his life, which was ultimately to be king. Now, David didn't actually become king until 15 years later. Sometimes we don't realize the long span of time it was between when David was anointed and when he became king. But the Holy Spirit was going to use those 15 difficult years to prepare David to be king, to prepare him for his call. And so each of us today, God calls us to embrace His call upon our lives and the equipping that God is doing for that call. Now, unless I'm mistaken, I don't think any of us is called to be a king anywhere. I haven't heard anything about that. God's probably not going to call us to be a king, probably not even to be president. So what is God's call on our lives? Well, God's call is essentially God's plan for our lives. And sometimes a person has some major call, like to be king. But oftentimes God's call in our lives is, is a multitude of calls. It's not just one thing. And even on David, there were other things that God called him to do besides calling him to be king. So what are some examples? Well, God may call you, or most of us, he calls to marry a specific spouse that he has for us. It's God's plan to bring you together with your, if I'm speaking to fathers, with your wife, to mothers with, with your husband. And then, of course, your calling involves being a faithful spouse and parent and father. I'm going to address it to fathers so I don't have to go back and forth between mothers and fathers this morning. God calls you as a father to a certain occupation. We are to work to support ourselves and our families in God's work around the world. God calls you to a certain occupation. That is a call of God on your life. Now, 
In today's world, over the course of time, oftentimes we may change occupations from time to time as God calls us to do something different. God calls each believer to different ministries in the church to use the gifts that God has given you to serve others in the church family. With each call of God on your life, God equips you, He prepares you for the task that He's calling you to. And oftentimes, as you are faithful to that task, as you walk in God's equipping, He prepares you for something a bit bigger in your next task, in your next calling. The equipping that God gives to each of us can be different things, but it always involves the equipping of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit anointing us for everything that we do in life. Each of the things that God calls us to. We're going to see later this morning that God's call and God's equipping often involves adversity. That seems to have nothing to do with our calling. And yet at each stage in your life, God desires for us to, to know our calling to know what he's calling us to do, and to live out that calling. Now, the calling of a father changes over the years. There's a time when you have children in your home. There's a time when they leave the home. There's a time when you move from being a father to a grandfather. And your calling, your responsibility changes. But it's still part of God's plan, and God equips you at each stage in your life as a father. So not only does God call and equip us, he also, we also need to trust God to defeat, I'm going to say, your giant. Let's move on to chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. That was the giant Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now, you'll notice when David was anointed king, or to be king by Samuel, that was 1 Samuel 16. This is 1 Samuel 17. It occurred quite soon after he was anointed to be king. David had been left home to tend the sheep. You see, he was anointed to be king and go, go back, herd the sheep. Back in the sheep out there in the wild with those, with those sheep. And his older brothers, the one who are more immature, were there fighting the Philistines. They were all in their armor with their shields, their spears. They were out there with King Saul facing those Philistines. Now the Philistines had a giant warrior named Goliath. He was huge. The Bible says he was over nine feet tall. Now that, he would have been a great basketball player, right? I mean, it's just like, you know, it would have been wonderful. But he was huge. And he'd been a warrior his whole life. Nobody wanted to fight him. He had this massive armor besides being so big. And so Goliath challenged the army of Israel to send one of their men out to fight him in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Winner take all. If Goliath won, they would take over Israel. If Israel won, they would take over Philistia, I guess. That was the Philistine land. Well, there were no takers in the Israelite army. They were all too afraid. He stood much higher, much taller than any of them. And finally, David, though not part of the army, he had just come to bring his brother's food, 
and he was there, and he said, I'll go. I'll fight this Philistine. I'll fight this giant. Well, King Saul didn't like the idea. He said, David, you're just a boy. What are you, how can you go fight this guy? I mean, this, I, I care about you, David, and this would be a suicide mission. You, you can't do it. David persisted. Saul said, okay, put my armor on. Well, the armor, he couldn't even walk in the armor. He said, I, I, can't, I can't do this. At this point in his life, David was just in his teens. And so when, when uh, Saul said, you can't do this, what was David's answer? Well, in verse 36, he says, well, your servant, speaking of himself, has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And so David's reply to Saul indicated that his past experiences with other forms of adversity, lions and bears, I mean, they can be pretty fierce. He didn't have guns. I don't know how he killed them, but... He was able to defend his sheep. He was able to take care of them under those attacks. And David believed that Goliath's mockery of Israel, he was defying the armies of the living God. Goliath was part of this culture that were idol worshipers. And David, there was something in David said, we can't, we can't let them win. Something has to be done. Somebody has to step up. And so David, rejecting the armor and the different weaponry that Saul was offering to him, he went and got five smooth stones and took along his sling. And he went out to meet Goliath. David came onto the battlefield. It says he ran to meet Goliath. It says in verse 45, David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and a spear and with javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And so David ran to defeat Goliath, not relying on himself, not relying on his sling, but relying on God. He had faith that God was with him. He had faith that God had sent him, that God had called him to take on this task. He was fighting not for himself, really, but for the honor of God. Well, in verse 49, David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. David had five stones in his pouch. He only needed one. One did the job. And after the giant fell to the ground, David made sure the task was finished. He ran up, took Goliath's huge sword out, and cut off his head. And that was the end of Goliath. And all the armies of the Philistines fled because their hero, their champion, was now dead. David had trusted God, and God had given him the power to defeat the giant. Now, let's think for a minute about what did the giant Goliath have to do with David's calling? He'd been anointed to be king of Israel. Now, if Goliath and the Philistine army had defeated Israel, 
What would have happened to David's calling? He would be the king of nothing. He'd probably be a prisoner of the Philistines or a, a servant or a slave. And so this giant was standing in the way of God's calling upon David. He'd been anointed to be king. He couldn't be king if this giant was not defeated. So what kind of giants are standing in the way of God's calling on our lives? On God's calling on your life? One kind of giant is, this, is the giant that attacks your faith and seeks to pull you away from God. To damage or destroy your relationship with God. He can distract you from spending regular time with God in prayer and reading His Word. One of the reasons this type of giant attacks fathers is that families tend to follow fathers in spiritual matters. You set the example for your family. The father is not strong in his faith that children sometimes tend not to be. But even if you're a mother that is the spiritual leader, as you lead, God can use your faithfulness to help raise your children for him. Another type of giant is the giant of temptation. He tempts you in the use of your time. Even things that are not wrong in and of themselves can distract us from God's calling upon our lives. The things that He is calling us to do. And so as a father, we have priorities. Priorities with God, with our families, with our work, with our church families. And God can help us keep those in the right order. And so God desires for us as fathers to defeat any giants that come in the way of carrying out God's calling in our lives. We must trust God to defeat those giants that attack. Next, God wants us to grow in faith through trials. So, David had killed Goliath the Israelite army had victory over the Philistines. Everything seemed to be turning up roses. David was serving Saul in his court. Kind of like a right-hand man there. But things were not going so well. Saul was becoming jealous of David's success. After he killed Goliath, the people were singing songs to him. And so it says in verse chapter 18, the next chapter, verse 11, Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. So Goliath was just the start of the troubles, of the difficulty, of the trials that David was facing. Now he was facing attacks from his king who actually tried to kill him. Why was Saul doing such a terrible thing? Well, the scripture tells us, we'll see in a minute, that Saul was often possessed of an evil spirit that wanted to get rid of David. Wanted to get rid of the one that God had anointed to be the next king. It says in verse 12, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. When Saul was anointed as king by Samuel, God's spirit was put upon Saul to be king. Saul prophesied. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He gave him the power 
or the ability to carry out what he had been anointed to do, to be king of Israel. And yet, Saul had not followed God. He had not obeyed God's commands. He had turned his back on God in many different ways. And so, the Spirit of God left Saul and was replaced by this evil spirit. Saul knew what was happening, but he had no desire to repent. He sought numerous times to kill David. What was going on with David? Well, God protected him. On that time we just read about when he saw through the spear at him and at other times. Verse 14 of chapter 18, And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. So even though David had not yet come into his calling as king, God was with David. And as God served David under really a very bad king, not a great place to serve, God gave him success after success. In fact, the success of David was so great that Saul kept on with his murderous activities trying to kill David. And so finally, David had to become a fugitive, left Saul's court for, uh, to save his own life, and wandered in the desert for years. And in fact, we're going to talk more about those years in next Sunday's message, which is entitled Patience in Adversity. And so God was going to use this time of trials, this time of adversity, to help David to grow and prepare him for the calling that God had on his life. So we might ask the question, why, why didn't God immediately make David king? Just get rid of Saul somehow and bring David right in. Why did David have to wait for 15 years? Why did David have to go through all these trials over this extended period of time? And the answer is that, that God uses adversity to help us to grow spiritually. In fact, the process of spiritual growth really happens best in times of adversity. I don't like to hear that. Why is this the case? Well, the reason is that adversity or problems or trials, they teach us to trust God. Our human tendency is if we don't have trials, if we don't have adversity, we think we're doing pretty good. And we really don't reach out to God. But when we or you as a father encounter problems that you can't solve, where do you turn? We turn to God. We ask for God's help. We ask for God's strength. We ask for God's wisdom to deal with the issues that are coming into our lives. Again, we'd all like a life where everything just went smoothly. There were no problems. Everything turned up roses. Everything we did, we had great success. But if that was the case, would we grow in faith? The answer is no, we wouldn't. You see, some of us, really not myself anymore, maybe in the future, we want to increase our strength. So we go to the gym, and one of the ways is we lift weights. Now, if you're lifting a five-pound weight, 
uh, for a while, maybe if you're, you're not going to grow very strong lifting a five-pound weight, right? You have to increase the resistance. And so you might use a 50-pound weight. Or, and eventually, as you are able to lift a 50-pound weight, it might be a 75-pound weight, and so on and so on. There are limits. We all have limits, of course. But the more weight, the more resistance that you exercise with, the stronger you get. And so the same is true in the spiritual realm. Adversity is like weights, things that, that we work through, that we work against, and God builds our faith stronger in and through them. What areas in life do we face adversity or trials? Well, that's the same areas that our calling is in. We may face trials in our relationships with our spouses, with our children, with other people. We may face trials in our finances, trials in our work, all the areas of our calling. We may face difficulties. And rather than grumbling and complaining about those difficulties and saying, why me, God? God wants us to seek Him for wisdom, for strength, to grow stronger in the midst of those things. Why? So that we can fulfill the calling of God in our life in each of these areas. I'm going to pull in a verse from James here because I think it's so applicable. James 1 verse 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So when trials come into our lives, our natural response is to grumble or complain. But God's Word tells us, no, don't do that. We are to count it all joy. Now, I interpret that as we rejoice. Now, if you read this verse carefully, we're not rejoicing in the trials themselves. We're rejoicing in the outcome of those trials. The testing of our faith produces steadfastness. The testing of our faith helps our faith to grow strong. The testing of our faith helps us to trust God more. We see that example in the life of David. He trusted God to defeat lions and bears and tigers. Right? I don't think there were tigers, but he trusted God with those things, and then he was ready to meet this giant Goliath. And so, when God helps us in the smaller things, it prepares us for bigger things. And when it comes into our lives, we'll be ready. The growing faith, as our faith grows, it trains and it teaches us to carry out God's calling. And so, today it's Father's Day and we're learning from the life of David some important lessons. As fathers, and this applies to each one of us, as mothers, as, as people, God has callings on our lives. Everybody has multiple callings in different areas. And God wants us to embrace those callings. Each and every one, they, they work together. And not only does God call us to these different things, He equips us for each one. And as we're faithful... In the smaller things, what we might, sometimes we think, we well, have this big calling, but like David was called to be king. Why should I tend sheep anymore? I'm called to be king. 
but yet he was still a shepherd. He still had to be faithful in the small things to eventually get to the bigger calling that God had for his life. God equips us for each and every aspect of his call upon our lives. But it's not just us and God. There are giants that are going to stand in the way of you fulfilling your calling. And those giants are sent by our enemy, Satan. I mean, Goliath was sent by Satan. And his job was to kill David. But God equipped David, gave him the courage and the strength to win the victory. And God wants to equip you, each one of you, to overcome the giants that come against you and God's calling on your life. Some of those giants might simply be discouragement. David had to face discouragement. I mean, you read the Psalms. You see some of David's discouragement in those years of running for his life in the desert. But as he sought God, God encouraged his heart. The Holy Spirit came to direct his gaze back to God. We can't defeat these giants in our own strength, but with God's help, we can. Walking in God's calling is not something that happens quickly. It's a gradual process throughout life. We grow in that calling. And even if we're older in years, God still has a calling upon your life. As long as we're alive, as long as we're breathing, God has something for you to do for Him. Once we understand the purpose of the trials, it changes our attitude towards these trials, these giants, these adversities. Rather than grumbling and complaining, oh, why is this happening now? Say, God, you've allowed this into my life. I'm going to count it joy. I'm going to rejoice because I know you're going to help me face this thing. You're going to help me gain the victory. You're going to help me through it. And as I get through it, I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be ready for the next thing that you have for me. And I'm going to be able to help others that are going through similar trials as well. But that's a whole other topic. And so this morning, to all the fathers here, the grandfathers here, God's word to you is to be encouraged. God is with you. As you go through life, things change. But God is there to anoint you. God is there to empower you. God is there to help you to meet every trial and win the victory as you grow in him. God is with you. You see, it said of David, what gave David great success, one success after another? It was because God was with him. And God is with you. No matter what you're facing in life, if God is with you, and he is, if you're a believer here this morning, you can tackle anything. You can tackle any giant. God is not going to allow a giant too big for you to handle to come into your life. Because God is the creator of the universe. He is the Lord of hosts. He's brought you thus far, and he's not going to leave you. This morning I want to give, as I do every morning, both for the people here and the people listening online, an opportunity to have a relationship with this wonderful God. To do that, you need to admit that you've sinned, that you've been following your own plan for your life, and you want to follow God's plan for your life. 
And so you repent of your sin and you be believe that Jesus died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead. You commit your life to following him as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. This could be a time to recommit your life to him this morning as well. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've been following my plan for my life, what I thought was my calling and not your calling, your plan for my life. I repent, I turn away from that, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. And he rose from the dead. Please forgive me. I believe you're alive today. I commit myself to following you as my Lord. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, this morning, we want to embrace your calling on our lives. In every area of our lives, you have a calling on our lives. And, and God, we want to follow your plan in each of these areas. We don't want to let one of these areas take the wrong priority in our lives. We want to live balanced lives that put you first. And everything else will fall into place. We want to seek your kingdom first and foremost. And all these other things, family, ministry, occupations will fall into place as we seek your kingdom first. We thank you that for each of these callings, even though something may seem too difficult, you are going to give us the anointing, the strength, the wisdom to fulfill that plan that you have for us. God, today we pray for everyone here that may be facing a giant in their life. Something very difficult. Something that looks too hard to overcome in their own strength. And we pray, God, that you would give each person here facing a giant, you would give them the strength, the wisdom, and the power to overcome that giant that stands in the way of them fulfilling your purpose for their life. God, we pray that you take away fear and replace it with faith in each and every person this morning. And those of us who are facing trials and adversity of, of all kinds, help us not to give in to grumbling and complaining, but to count it all joy because you have a purpose in the things that you allow into our lives. You're using those things to help us to grow stronger. You're building our faith. And we can rejoice in that. And finally, we pray for a blessing on each and every father here today, each and every grandfather, and each and every one who will one day be a father. We pray that you would prepare them for that calling and help them to walk in it with your wisdom and your strength. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.